All right, well, if not, we'll be in Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel is after Jeremiah and Lamentations after Isaiah, uh, but before the, the minor prophets come in. But Ezekiel chapter 14, I want to look at, uh, look at a couple verses in this chapter. Um, again, thankful for God's word. Glad we can get into it tonight and, uh, and see what it has for us. But Ezekiel 14, we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, read a couple, skip, uh, actually skip two times. But uh, Ezekiel 14.1 says this, Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me, and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart, and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of all uh, inquired of at all by them. Therefore speak unto them and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet, I the Lord will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent and turn yourself from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. We skip down to verse 9. And if the prophet be deceived when he has spoken a thing, I the Lord have deceived that prophet and I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. Skip one more time down to verse 13. Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out mine hand upon it and will break the staff of the bread thereof and will send famine upon it and will cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Lord, we thank you again uh, for being with us tonight. Lord, I ask that you'd help me to be able to preach tonight. Lord, fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, to uh, bring your word alive. We ask uh, uh, that your Holy Spirit would teach us tonight. Lord, help us to, uh, to learn and grow from your word. Lord, if there's any areas of conviction, I pray that we would deal with it tonight. And Lord, help us to learn. Lord, help us to draw closer to you and see uh, from history, Lord, what you did. Uh, and Lord, how we can apply that to our lives today. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and amen. So we see in the first couple of verses, you know, uh, you know, the word of the Lord comes, and in verse 3, Son of man, these men have set up uh, their idols in their heart. And I, uh, you know, you've heard me say this many times, but uh, I know for years, uh, whenever I would see the word idol, I would think of a little statue. And I think that's what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to think uh, of something that isn't uh, anything that we, most of us, would even think about. And most of us would even uh, come close to or even we would never even dream of bowing down to a little statue. But he is saying he's not talking about a statue. He is saying an idol in their heart. He's saying something. Uh, the Lord's telling them, hey, you've set up these idols in your heart uh, and our hearts are designed to serve something. You know, they were created uh, to serve the Lord. We were created uh, for the Lord's pleasure and to trust the Lord and to serve the Lord and to worship the Lord. Lord, but if you don't do that, 
Your heart will find something else to worship, something else to serve, something to bow down to, something to bring your gifts to. Uh, And if you don't believe me, you look throughout the entire human history. There has been God after God, idol after idol, statue, pyramid, uh, you name it, all over the world. uh, Because men are looking for something. They need something to worship. And if you don't worship God, you will worship an idol. And that's all encompassing whether it's a statue or whether it's something you've created in your mind and heart. Uh, and, and here's the thing. These, these are children of Israel. These are God's chosen people, yet they've got these idols. And if it's in their heart, that also means it's hiding. See, sometimes, you know, those statues, they would put them out and they would uh, a lot of times be in a public place or put them in their home uh, and worship them openly. But he's talking about a hidden idol in the heart. He's talking about something that on the outside uh, may look like a regular uh, child of God that's uh, serving the Lord. But on the inside, that's where the idol was. And he's saying that uh, God is saying, I can see it. But what happens uh, when someone uh, has an idol in their heart, then they, they try to draw near to the Lord as if it's not there. Isaiah 29, 13, wherefore the Lord saith, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Uh, the Lord is saying, hey, uh, they're trying to act spiritual. They're trying to act religious. They're trying to act close to me with their lips but I can see their heart and I can see that their heart is far away uh, and he will uh, the Lord is not going to hear our prayers if we're going to hide iniquity in our heart uh, he's not going to hear any prayer other than a confession and repentance type of a thing Uh, he does not want that and the worst thing that we see is when someone on the outside tries to act spiritual but on the inside they're harboring these sins and that was one of the problems they're appearing to be religious but their heart was serving somebody else and we can fool other people for a while we can fool uh you know you could fool us in here uh you know or somebody in a church or somebody in a home could uh, fool it with that secret idolatry but if you look at verse three back at it these men have set up idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face should i be inquired of at all by them and he is saying hey uh, that secret uh, serving the idol that secret idolatry will cause them to stumble That's what he's saying. It will cause them to stumble into other types of sin. Uh, And here's the reason. You trade that whole armor of God for something else, for an idol that doesn't mean anything. You're going to start getting hit with the darts. You're going to start, you know, you're not going to have any protection. You open up your heart to sin, and that's what idolatry is. You're opening it up uh, to the sin, and and more sin will happen, and and that will be a gateway where you will continue. Hey, because that idol is okay with whatever you're doing. If you're you're going to push God aside and do what you want to do, it will just bring more and more more sin. And that's what he's saying. All you're going to do is keep stumbling and stumbling in this sin. And that that's what you see. It just keeps getting worse. It doesn't get any better. No different than our society. Our society keeps getting worse and worse, and it's almost like they're inventing new ways to sin against God, new uh, forms of wickedness, and it's because you you put an idol in your heart instead of the Lord. You're going to serve sin, and it's going to cause you to stumble. 
So here's the Lord saying in verse four, therefore speak unto them and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and do cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. So he's saying, he's got a specific message right here. He's saying, hey, for these ones that are harboring the idol in their heart and come to the prophet. So they're saying, hey, uh, this is someone, again, they're acting religious on the outside. They're acting like everything's okay. But in their heart, they're secretly serving that idol. If they come into the temple, if they try to worship as if there's nothing wrong, if they're bringing their sacrifices and, and going through all the motions to worship God outwardly as if nothing was wrong uh, on the inside. Uh, and, and here's the thing. We could, we could put this to the modern day and say, hey, you could walk into here with a problem all kinds of problems going on in your heart not being where God wants you to be and you can pick up the hymn book and go through all the motions and nobody would think anything's wrong but God's saying hey you come to the prophet that way uh, uh, and you're hiding in your sin I've got something for you I've got a word for you I will answer you uh, and, and here's the thing these are the times when instead of dealing with the sin we hide it and every one of us has been through periods of that in our life. And think about what happens when you do it. It's never a good thing. Uh, but here's the message the Lord has. And it, it, it shouldn't, it's not a shocking message. He says, hey, I've got two choices for you. You either continue down the path that you're going on and judgment will come. And you can say, well, where is that, Mike? What's well, most the book of Ezekiel? And the book of Isaiah and the minor prophets and all these things. He's saying, hey, trying to get their attention, the children of Israel over and over again. You cannot serve idols and serve God at the same time. You've got to choose one. And they were choosing idols over God, including in their heart. He's saying, hey, if you keep going, judgment will come. But here's the other message in verse six. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, repent and turn yourselves from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. You got two choices. Either you continue acting as if everything's okay, hiding that idol in your heart, or you repent. That's it. That's the message. That's the message for the children of Israel. That's the same message we're still proclaiming today. But at this point, when Isaiah was giving these prophecies, he was uh, Jerusalem was just a few years away from falling. And the children of Israel, uh, you know, we can see uh, that time that has passed from when Jesus left this earth and said he was coming again. And what happens? Men look at the amount of time that's passed, the thousands of years since Jesus was here. And they say, well, he must not be coming back. Right. He would have already come back already. You know, they uh, what were they asking Paul? You know, is the Lord slack concerning his promise? And, and, and Paul was saying, no, just because he's long suffering, just because he's patient, just because he operates on a different time frame doesn't mean that the Lord's not coming back. He is coming back. But those still two choices are still today. You can either keep going, which a lot of this world's doing. They hear the gospel that it pricks their heart. Uh, they know the truth or maybe they uh, made some confession of God and then they're you know right back out and not changing anything in their life or maybe they, they're a Christian that can think they can live worldly and carnally and everything else and think it's okay no matter what God's trying to get their attention and saying you can keep doing that and judgment will come or you can repent that's what he's trying to tell them he wants them to turn and here if you refuse 
We know this, if you refuse to repent and turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, you'll receive the judgment for eternity from the wrath of God. And again, just because it's not taking place right now doesn't mean it's not coming. But look what he says back in verse, let's look at it again, verse 6. They they had that idol in their heart that led them to stumbling, led them uh, to sin, a stumble into sin. The Lord tells them, repent and turn yourselves from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. So remember, he said just a few verses before that, that idol worship, that hidden idol uh, serving in your heart will lead you to sin. So if you're going to repent, you have to repent from the idol and from the sin that resulted from. You got to repent from the whole thing. Because here's what you here's what you could do. You could repent from the outward sin and keep the idol. That's not repenting. That's only partial repentance. And God's He doesn't want that. But you know what else I noticed? Is the way He words this repent and turn yourselves from your idols and your abominations. You know, you think about, I can't remember if it's Psalm 51, I think it's where David is confessing his sin and he makes it personal to him. He's saying it's my sin, my iniquity. That's what I've done. He's not blaming anyone else, not blaming Bathsheba, not blaming whoever, you know, anything like that. He is saying, I did this against you. I've sinned against. And that's the thing right here. That's what the Lord wants. He wants people to take ownership of their sin, to admit it, and to take it to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. That's it. You know, as long as you're blaming somebody else, you'll never find forgiveness from God uh, because he says all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. And that includes every one of us. But verse 5 says this, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are all estranged from me through their idols. And you can see in the Old Testament, you know, especially this part of the Old Testament, the prophets again are warning, judgment's coming, judgment's coming, but every time giving space to repent, space to repent, uh, but it's only for a certain amount of time. You know, he eventually judgment does come every time, but he's giving the space to repent, allowing them to turn. But this verse tells us the purpose of why God would send a prophet with such what we would call a doom and gloom message, a, a, a judgment is coming message. Why is God doing it? Verse five, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart. Remember earlier on, they'd given their heart over to idols and God wants the heart back. That's see, uh, they're his children. They're his chosen people. They've decided to disobey God. They've decided to trust in these idols they can't. They've invented with their mind and everything else. They've got the idols hidden in their heart, uh, maybe trying to live godly on the outside, but hiding the idol. And the Lord says, I'm going to send judgment because I want your heart back. And see, you go into the Old Testament, and a lot of times I think the devil tries to convince us that uh, it's an angry God, that it's a God that's unloving and everything else that just wants to slaughter everybody. No, God wants their hearts back. And the problem is their hearts were so far from him. It wasn't, you couldn't be like, uh, excuse me, everybody, would you, can you just stop doing that? You know, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. 
Why do we have so-called churches where you get up, you've got men up there that are baby, you know, just uh, uh, begging for things and trying to dance around, make sure they don't hit any sins that anyone uh, paying money to the church is openly committing uh, because there's no backbone there. And he's saying, hey, I, I've sent men to tell the truth. I don't care how they react. I, I don't care if they refuse it. If they lock you up or anything else, you tell them the truth because I want their hearts. And you think about this as a Christian, what are we? We're the bride of Christ. And if our heart is anywhere but with the groom, there's a problem with the relationship, isn't it? Imagine being engaged and, and your heart is somewhere else than the one that you're planning on marrying. That's a problem. But that's exactly what God is saying. The relationship was in danger. But aren't you glad that the Lord wasn't giving up on Israel? He was showing them mercy, even though they were so wicked and they were replacing him with other idols, other gods in their heart. But his purpose is always the same, to bring them back to him. And here's the thing. It's still true today. You walk, you wander away from God. You try things in this world. You try to do things yourself and everything else. God wants you back. That's what he wants. The devil will say it's too late. You've done you're wrong too many times, but that's not true. God's a merciful God. But his mercy is only for so long. And I can't tell you how long that will be. But he wants you back. That idol caused them to be unfaithful, become distant from God. But God was merciful and given them space to repent. But one of the questions that I was thinking that God answers in this is how did they get to this point? How did they get to such a, a point where there's so much hidden idolatry in their hearts uh, at, when they've been given so much by God? See, when you read the Old Testament, you think about, man, the children of Israel were given so much. They were given a promised land that was theirs. They were given, uh, as long as they trusted God, there would never be a famine. Uh, they were given uh, protection and everything else as long as they trusted in God. But if they turned to idols, things would always go upside down. They knew it was coming. Uh, there were uh, centuries and centuries of them trying to disobey God and seeing the results and God sending a deliverer. Why were they getting to this point? Then I hit verse nine. And if the prophet be deceived when he has spoken a thing, I, the Lord, have deceived the prophet and I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. The children of Israel had prophets that were deceived. That's what he's saying right here. They were bringing messages that they said were of the Lord, but it was false. It was false teaching, false prophecy. And, and here's the thing. In this period, remember, the prophets are being, the true ones are being called by God to announce the judgment to come. And these are hard. You read through these books, it's hard to read them because of all uh, this, the negative it seems like is coming uh, where God's going to destroy this and tear up that and send famine and everything else. It's, it's hard to read. But those are the true messages from God. But God said, hey, I, if it, it, here's the thing. I've got the true, but there's always more false prophets. Right. There's always and those messages would be the opposite. So in this time they would say, hey, because uh, at this point, there are several rounds uh, of them being taken captive into Babylon. Not completely, but I think Daniel's in the first round and I think Ezekiel's in the second round uh, and then they're all in the third round. Uh, but in, in this time, uh, they're saying this, they're saying, oh, the captivity is almost over. Right. 
Oh, don't you listen to those. Don't you listen to Isaiah. Don't you listen to Ezekiel. That Jerusalem's going to fall. It's not going to fall. There's no way. God would never let that happen. All these false prophets that were coming over and over. Babylon's going to let us go or they're going to fall really soon. God would never do that, but it was all lies. And here's the thing. The true message of the one was hard to hear because they had to repent. And when you tell people they need to repent, you're telling them you're wrong. You're telling them what you're doing is wrong uh, and that uh, the Lord is where the the only way where we can get the truth. When we say that message, it's hard. It's a hard message. And here's what happens. If you ask the people and, and said, hey, will you take a survey? Do you want to hear Ezekiel's message of judgment to come? And if you don't repent, everything's going to come down. Or do you want to hear the prophet that says, hey, any day now. They're just going to let us go. Jerusalem's not going to fall. We're going to be even richer than we were. You sow a seed of faith, right? You get all this prosperity. You fill in the blank. Which message do you want to hear? They wanted to hear the things that sounded good. So you know what God was saying right here? He's saying, hey, I, the Lord, have deceived the prophet. And that's a hard verse to read. Because you're saying, why on earth would God do that? And what he was doing... Is he saying, you want to hear the message of the false prophet? I'll put false prophets in your land. That way you choose who you want to listen to. Now there's going to be just a very few, one or two or three true prophets, and you'll have a whole bunch of false prophets. What do we see today? Just a few true ones, and it's a hard message, and we don't always want to hear it, but it's what we need to hear. And we got a whole bunch just tickling ears. But the Lord said, I've sent those false ones. Mm. You know why? Because part of the judgment that he was sending is if you're going to be, if you're going to serve an idol, if you're not going to repent, if you're going to harden your heart to all that, and you want a false prophet to tell you what you want to hear, then I will send them to it. And that's part of the message or that's part of the judgment. And that's why we have so many false prophets today claiming to be called in the name of Jesus. A lot of them bragging about how spirit filled they are. And yet you listen to their message and you have no idea where they got it because it wasn't the Bible. Or they'll take a verse or two out of context. In fact, I was listening to something yesterday and they were having this little church was having this conference and you know, they were trying to act like a mega church, but they were a little one, kind of stumbled on it. Uh, and this speaker got up and said this. He said, this caught me. I had to write it down. He said, tell God what you want your testimony to be in next year's conference. So he's getting up there and he's saying, you know, basically, uh, I want you to come back next year for this conference, you know, this spiritual thing and everything. And you tell God next year what you want your testimony to be. And he's talking about it uh, as he goes on. I find out he's talking about it financially, maybe. So you tell God that I want to come in here and brag that I'm a millionaire next year. And, And I thought, tell God? I mean, there's all kinds of problems in that. But the first two words, I'm going to tell God? No, I'm going to ask God. I'm going to ask God for what I need. I'm going to ask God for me uh, to help me to do his will. Uh, But here's the thing. There's so many of them out there. uh, And here's what's happening. Uh, You want to know who is a lot of who is sitting in that congregation listening to that guy? 
are there are people that have a hidden idol of greed and covetousness in their heart that openly are going to act uh, religious and everything else. And what's God going to do? God's going to send him a prophet to stand behind the desk. And what's he going to? He's going to have a hidden heart of greed and idolatry. And what? And he's going to preach and act like it's biblical. And they're going to amen him exactly what's happening today what you can you can interchange the sin it doesn't matter god said i will send them if they want it i'll send it to them because it's always a choice if you want to go down that road he'll let you go and in fact romans 1 124 wherefore god also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves that's just another new testament example where god just gave them up said if you want this you can have it you know and some would read these verses and say well that just means that god forces men uh so where there's no real decision uh but really all it is is god saying hey you made this choice. I've given you space to repent. You don't want to repent. I'm going to then harden your heart with that choice that you've made. Uh, and you're just going to live that way. And you can give them up to the desires. Whatever you want, just have it. If you want to believe a lie, God will let you. But here's the thing. If you believe a lie and God hardens you in that, that doesn't take away your responsibility. That's just judgment. He's saying, I'll give it to you. That's why it's so dangerous to even dabble in sin. You've got to deal with it. Now let's keep going. Verse 13, we skip down. Son of man, when the land sinneth against me and uh, by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out my hand upon it and will break the staff of bread thereof and will send famine upon it and cut off man and beast from it. Remember, he said, hey, I'm going to send a famine so bad that the men and the animals would perish and that you would know uh, uh, that God is sending it. And here's the thing. I, I couldn't find the verse real quick. Uh, but I was thinking about it last minute, uh, but in, in the Old Testament, or in, I think it's Leviticus or Deuteronomy, uh, there's God saying, hey, as long as you don't serve idols, there I will send rain. But you start turning to idols and there'll be a famine. What's happening again? He's saying, hey, a famine's coming. I told you it would come, and it's coming. He's saying, hey, without, if the, if the children of Israel never turn to idolatry, they'd never have to deal with the famine. That's what God promised. But anyway, look at verse 14. This is what caught me. Though these men Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. And sometimes it's hard to understand how bad the sin is when we read some of these passages. How bad did it really get at that time? And God is saying it's so bad that even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, with the children of Israel, living in Jerusalem, I'm still sending judgment. And that's a hard passage to read. You think, you're thinking, my goodness, what a powerful statement God is saying. He's saying, hey, uh, uh, it doesn't matter. Even with these three, I'm still sending judgment. But you turn over a couple chapters, Ezekiel 22, 30. I've preached on this one before. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap uh, before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. 
In that verse, God's saying, I'm looking for one man. Uh, there's a gap, like a hole in the wall, and I'm looking for one man to plug the gap, one man to go against the popular judgment, you know, one, uh, just one that I'm looking for, but God couldn't find a prophet that would tell the truth. He, would, he couldn't find a priest that could live holy. Uh, he couldn't find a prince uh, that would go with the truth. He said, but I found none. And here's the thing. He said, if I would have found one, it would have kept them from judgment. So then this, this caused me to wonder, now wait a second. On one hand, in Ezekiel 14, 14, he's saying, even if Noah and Daniel and Job were there, I would still send judgment. But then in Ezekiel twenty two thirty, if one man would stand in the gap, judgment wouldn't come. Now here's the problem. Some would say, well, that's a contradiction, Mike, right? It can't be both ways. Surely Noah, Daniel, and Job, they would have all been men that stood in the gap. You know, surely uh, that's what's going on. So it's got to be a contradiction, but there is no contradictions in the Bible. You know what I believe it is? If one man stood in the gap and preached righteousness and lived a life pleasing to God and people listened and they repented, God would show mercy and not judgment. Because that's exactly, remember what Jonah did? He went to Nineveh, one man gave the truth, very short message of judgment to come. They repented and God showed mercy. One man stood in the gap and there was mercy. But if he sent three and they refused to listen, they didn't want to listen to the true prophets. They didn't want to listen to the true men of God preach the truth. Then it doesn't matter if there's a bunch of righteous men or three or however many. Judgment is still coming. Noah, Daniel, and Job all spoke the truth. They were all righteous men, but nobody wanted to listen to them. And that's the same thing today. But here's the thing. I can't tell you in our nation at this point... I can't tell you if people are going to listen. I, don't, I can't tell you if they're going to respond with repentance. I can't tell you because if they do, we would send, see a great revival. Or I can't tell you if they're going to keep serving the idols of their own hearts. Uh, you know, Noah preached righteousness, the Bible says, uh, you know, for a hundred some years. And, and, and nobody believed it. They lived their life as if judgment was never coming. And, and we could be living in a day like Noah. I don't know. It kind of looks like it. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, Noah, even though he was living in the day, of Noah he preached righteousness all the way up until he got God told him to get into the ark and then God shut the door and judgment came right Noah never stopped preaching he never stopped building the ark until God was done with what he had him to do uh, but here's the thing who knows that if one of us will stand in the gap God said I could use that to bring the saving power of Jesus Christ if just one would would go against the grain would not preach things that are unoffensive would tackle sin and everything else and tell people the truth, then I could use that one way, that one person. But here's the thing. I don't know where we're at. I don't know where we're going. We, God could, it could be a time uh, like Noah, Daniel, and Job where they just won't listen and that it is what it is and judgment will come. Or it could be a time like Ezekiel uh, 2230 where they start to listen. And revival comes. But I don't know the future. Only God does. So that tells me we've got to be faithful. We've got to continue as if we're the one man that can make a difference. And even if they don't listen, 
We'll just finish strong like Noah, Daniel, and Job did. But let's look back to verse 14. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it. So he's saying, hey, just imagine those three were in this time period instead of the time periods they were in. All righteous men, all praying men, all men that trusted in God, all men that served God and worshiped God. If they were all in this present time, in that time, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. You know what he's saying? I won't, even if they were there, I still won't deliver the entire nation. But I'll deliver those three. You see that? Even if they were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness. The Lord says, hey, if you're the one standing in the gap and revival comes, my goodness, we'll have a lot of work to do. We got, we're going to have to, there's going to be a lot more uh, baby Christians. We got to get a lot more teaching and getting them into the word, a lot more discipling and everything else, get uh, baptizing a lot more. It'll be a blessing. It'll be tremendous. You think about the times uh, that uh, Henry talks about, like the great revival. That'd be amazing to be in. But if not, we're going to be faithful, but God will keep us from the judgment. That's what I'm standing on. I can't tell you which direction we're going to go. And it really doesn't matter. Because either way, we're just going to be faithful. Either way, we're not going to bow uh, to the the way the society wants and our world wants. We're not going to compromise. We're going to stand on the truth and say, hey, the only reason I have anything today is because the Lord, uh, I heard the gospel. The Holy Spirit touched my heart. I repented and I turned to Jesus Christ for salvation. You can too. And if you want this, you've got to go through all those things. You can't, you can't harbor these idols. You can't do these things. We just got to focus on the Lord. 